So we have feedback. And that feedback is that uh, we need an opening for the show. So therefore, hi, this is Mobile Couch. And this show is hosted by Jake McMullen. Hi. Ben Trangrove. Hello. And myself, Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Farrelly. I think we need a theme song as well if we're going to have an opening. Well, do you want to... Okay, you sing and then I'll do the intro. How that? <laughs> um, no. Okay, fine. Let's skip that theme song bit. That's all the feedback we had. We had, we had uh, while we were at NS Camp, and NS Camp was really good. It was. Uh, we, we got some feedback from Armin that we don't have an intro, and so he never knows what episode he's listening to. That's so, a good point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, therefore, this is episode 23. I had to look it up because I always forget what the episode number is. We, we must have been doing this forever, given how, you know, long in between every episode it is. It is a long time. Mm. Well, we started in February, I think, last year. Coming up to our big one, one birthday. Year. That's pretty one exciting. Year, one year birthday. So that's coming That's coming up. Hey, I have some feedback for you guys as well. Um, I thought the last episode of uh, NS Camp was uh, awesome. Really? Oh, it was good. great to be able to listen to it. I was a little concerned about it at the beginning because despite what you may have heard on the show, on the actual show, <laughs> uh, there was a lot of problems beforehand and uh, getting it all set up, but it all worked out fine. There's the, the magic of, uh, you know, <laughs> the audio. Magic of, the magic of editing. Yeah. The magic of editing. Yeah. No, As a listener, I just was. it was interesting content. All the people you managed to hook up with uh, sounded great. Yeah. I uh, wish I'd been there, but I think it may not have been as interesting if I was. Look, so. guys, if uh, if mm-hmm. you get to the chance to go to NSCAM next year, I think it's really, I think it's a really good thing. Um, there was a lot of interesting people just there. And, like, we talked to a lot, we talked to a lot of people on the show, but I think, I made a lot of like contacts just just kind of in general that I was like because I was talking to people just, you know, about what they were working on. And there was a lot of people that had really interesting things that they were working on that we just didn't have time to talk to. Mm. Um or at least not on the show. And there's something pretty cool. I mean, that's why I enjoy listening to podcasts and enjoy talking to you guys, is that it's really nice to get together every now and then and talk to people who have similar interests who are working on similar stuff, come across the same sort of issues. Um, and the fantastic thing about the internet is that it doesn't matter how kind of weird and obscure the technology you're using is or the interest you have, you can pretty much find someone online who shares that interest. But it must be awesome to come together face-to-face every now and then, sit down with other people doing similar stuff. It was really good. It was it really was. good. And I 100% recommend that uh, if you get the chance to go to something like NS Camp in the future, then you should jump at the chance hmm. um, because it's just – you you won't know how good it is until you go like until you actually experience it because it's just like especially if you sit around like for instance me at home doing all your work kind of in a silo you you miss out on a lot of that you know social interaction stuff that can make your product that much better yeah and uh you know just hearing the ideas that other people have like that's enough to kind of spur stuff within you like Oh, like uh, there was one thing, like the your um, the the app that you're working on, Ben, and this is an example, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a bad one because it's you know, I already talked to you all all the time, but <laughs> you, you were working on you were working on like a, a little um like an image viewer thing, and oh, yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of you know that kind of spurred some ideas in in you know in my project that I'm working on, and I actually want to hear more about that. So you were using um, UIKit Dynamics to do yes. a little uh, flick away. Tweet bot style flick. Yeah. F- have you got it? Have you open sourced it? Can I use it? It sounds awesome. Keep meaning to open source it. It doesn't have Zoom. 
So I feel right. like I shouldn't do it until it has zoom. Does the image fill the screen no matter how big the image actually is, or does if you open up a small image? The- That's a very good question. Because <laughs> no, you know, it works. Probably doesn't. You could probably get away with not having zoom if it, little images were at um, least automatically yeah, scaled. Yeah, fills the screen. Yeah, I reckon that'd still be useful. Mm. Yeah, no, you should totally open source it. To- I know I should. I really should. Just if only, so I can use it. Okay. I love opening. So- I, I I think I said this on the sh- on the last episode. I love open sourcing stuff only because. It allow it just kind of forces me to do like code in a different way. Like my code in general is, I like clean code, but my code is pretty messy because it just it just gets that way. Like it starts out with a lot of, you know, a lot of comments and stuff every like stuff to make it you know keep it clean and stuff like that. But eventually, you kind of after going over it the third or fifth you know time or tenth, you know, it it ends up kind of deteriorating. Yeah, I can completely relate to that. I'm I'm someone that thrives on like feedback, right? So mm. if I do something and get some feedback, whether it's positive or negative, you know, you get a feedback loop going where you you change what you're doing based on the sort of feedback you're getting. And it can be so easy if you're working on your own on code and the only feedback you're getting is from the things that are visible to users of the product. If no one else is looking at the source code, but but there are people looking at the actual app. It can be so easy to sort of prioritize things that people are going to be able to see hmm. over the stuff that they can't see. Um, and I'll start with the best of intentions of wanting to have, you know, complete test coverage and really beautifully refactored code. And But then, you know, with limited time, if you've got a choice between adding a new feature that you know people are going to really enjoy and, and give you positive feedback about versus, you know, improving the quality of the code a little bit and refactoring a bit more, I always err towards the stuff I'm getting good feedback about. Whereas right. open sourcing gives you a chance to get feedback about the actual underlying code as well. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I like I, for, as as an example, I've open sourced uh, one of the items from the app that I'm currently working on. I read it as well. I read the code. You read the code? Yeah. Did you think? What did you think? Very good. Okay. Well cool. done. Uh, and I've, I've I've released a couple of updates because I've you know made some changes to it. But I I released it. the 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 open source code that I released was incomplete. Real and truly incomplete. Um, it did things. It's it's called file drone. Uh, it's essentially a piece of like a class that you instantiate, and it basically watches a directory for changes uh, in files. Um, but at the beginning, it only watched for files that were added or removed because it, all it did was basically make a list of the files, and then basically compare that with the one that it had before and determine what had what was different. Um, it did not detect whether or not a file had changed in some way. And uh, it also had this thing where it was running, like I I created a run loop and to in order to make it all work. And that kind of uh, eventually caused it to, you know, once you had enough files, it would cause it to, you know, bulk up and start using a lot more CPU. Um, and so I've released an update for that. Like I've changed, I made a change to the code and updated it and, and changed it, but like, and I mean that's not through necessarily the open sourcing stuff, but you know the the whole the whole the fact that the code is you know so nice and kind of clean and well thought out and that sort of stuff is kind of because I feel like if other people are going to be seeing this code, I have to do something to make it better. Like it has to be yeah, of definitely. my best quality. Uh, and so. And you know, there's, there's stuff that you don't want to open source. Like sometimes there is a thing that's critical to your particular project. And if you are in 
focused on selling it, like for instance with progressions and the whole thing with transposing. I'm never I'm never gonna open source something that transposes music because that kind of see I- beats my point. The point, but I'll open source something like file like file drone or. Uh, you know the the editing bar that I open sourced for that is in progression. Or keyboard, keyboard. That is that's the one I mean. Keyboard, keyboard, keyboard. So I might be an extremist on this, but um, in fact, I'm sure I am. Uh, I don't think that you'd necessarily put yourself at a disadvantage to open source everything. Like I think that I don't know. I don't think there's actually that much value in um sort of the secrets inherent in your code. It's more about how well you are at at creating your product. Right. Um, if some that code in the hands of someone else isn't going to be as good as it is in your hands because you're the one with the vision of what it should be, you're the one with the sense of who's going to be using it. Sure. You know, um, uh, not to diminish the value of good code. Like, you know, it takes time to write code. It takes time to write good code. Um it's really useful, but I don't think it's it's the difference between making money from an app and not making money from an app. If someone else had that code and put out, you know, uh, something that was not progressions but was like progressions. Right. But sure, I mean, sure. Like, And there are certain situations, I think there are situations where that might be the case. However, in progressions... Progressions is essentially a note app, like a note-taking app, that, like like any of the other thousands of note-taking apps that exist out I, there. I almost bought it over the, the summer break. I, I bought my kid a ukulele for Christmas. Oh, right. <laughs> and um, I have previously played the guitar, not the ukulele, and I was wanting to like transpose some ukulele chord progressions. I thought, there's got to be an app for this. But I'm <laughs> just too, so happens. I'm too cheap. <laughs> yeah, I, just, like, I just Googled for a bunch of ukulele, yeah. you know, um, it, it Well, it's, it's something that you can do, like, by by yourself. Like, it's not difficult to actually transpose music. It just takes brain power. But, yeah, no, more brain power than I have. I just kept Googling until I found one. Right. The sort of chords that, was, that yeah, I wanted. Right. Uh, <laughs> the, no, but you, you like... In the in the case of progressions, like progressions is literally a note taking app, like any of the other note taking apps out there that exist, just for taking regular notes, like plain text notes. Does it have sync? Because every note taking app has to have sync. Um, it doesn't have sync, so in fact, it's bet it's worse than the other note taking apps, except uh, the I, fact that I, it has transposing of music chords. I, I'm actually joking as well. Does Vespa have sync? Yet? Right, no. It doesn't. That was you got my joke. I, I, use, joke. I use Vespa. I, I like. It. I don't use Vespa. I don't need the sync. I don't use note taking apps on my on my phone. I I don't like. I use notes. Whoa! Wow! <laughs> how, how can you put up with that that weird letterpress effect? Yeah, that's weird. That is weird. <laughs> and the yellow and white colors. Actually, if I have a more important note, it goes into Evernote. But just like random thoughts, they go into notes. I'm very I don't rarely. Know why. I very rarely take notes on my phone. I I I guess it's because maybe I'm a visual person, so I like to like to you know, have something a little bit more visual for, for my notes. For people that aren't, aren't <laughs> enjoying the visual medium that is this podcast, Jelly's waving his hands about, as he says this, I'm a visual person. I'm a visual person. Uh, yeah. I, I think there's. I think there is definitely uh, benefit in open sourcing stuff. And if you have something in your project that you can open source, you should by all means go ahead and do it. It will cost you... Nothing. Well, that's not entirely true, right? Because it does cost you time. Yeah, but um, it costs you time. But in return, you get back like a se- a selection of nice, clean, well thought out like right. code. Yeah. 
because it that's it, the trade off. It force like you 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 might have to invest more time into it, but also. Uh, you will get back, like you get back from that because yeah, you yeah. get you get good code, so and you, you good take, code is always worth you know the time. Yeah, so you take extra time to make it so that the code's nice to use, and then you get to use that code that's nice to use. Right, and you mm. know some other people might also get to use that code that's nice to use, and I don't know if anybody will ever use file drone, but I will. Cool, gift wrapped uses it. Yeah. So speaking of this app you're working on, yeah. thank you for finally like you know giving me access to the beta. Oh, I'm sorry. Look, I did put out like a. Like a month, like no, maybe not a month, maybe a couple of weeks. Before I saw Christmas, that tweet. I, I just assumed I didn't have to reply. Like, yeah, see, at least Casey, Casey, like at least said I don't have to reply to this, right? And I was like, yeah, of course. Mm, I see favoritism. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't even see that tweet. Are you sure it wasn't a DM? Uh, no, it was, <laughs> it was definitely not a DM because I got a whole lot of beta testers who don't do a lot of beta testing. Oh, there you go. So you've been watching. How I much do watch. I do. I was actually. This is the thing that I was uh, that I was struggling with the other night, and uh, I had to turn to like I had to ask a, a couple of people whether or not this was okay before I went ahead with it, and obviously I didn't go ahead with it, so you, it wasn't okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> now I want to know what it is. <laughs> They're doing like full tracking or something. Well, Hang on. do I want to know hockey, what it is? Hockey app uses uh, has the option for like for tracking. Uh, the users that that are using the app, right? When you say option, is it optional? Is it, it is on optional. by default? No, no, it is optional, right? Is it on by default? No. Okay. You so, have to actually implement it, right? Because, and you will know that this. You will know that if you ever use an app with Hockey App that uses this, you will know that this is the case because it will ask you to log in in some way. All right. So Hockey App has tracking that is on by default. That's not the tracking you're talking about. Like right. By default, it will tell you the only tracking who, who's that it has downloaded it, is who's, who's installed it, it, who's launched it, how long they've spent using it. Okay. It doesn't tell you who. It only tells you the device. Yeah, sorry, the device, and you know whose device it is, right? No. You, you don't? No, because when because now with the whole thing with the UUIDs being all different for different apps, it's different from when you install oh, okay. it. To I when guess it you... depends how you distribute your apps through Hockey. So right. when I use Hockey, I um ask people to join my team as testers. So so in do which I. case I've got their name and their email address and so do I. Their but they also devices. have to log into the like they have to log in for, in order for you to see it. If they update any other way f- other than from the like from the uh, from the web clip or the emails, right? Yeah. If they update from that web clip, you will see their name. You know that they downloaded and installed it or tried to download it. If it's a bad download or something. However. If they download it, like because Hockey App has this this thing where it updates in app, mm. uh, and you can kind of force that to happen. Uh, if they choose to update it through that, you won't see their name because it provides a UID that doesn't match up to the uh, match up to the one that you have on file. Because oh, okay. apps don't have the UUID that apps receive is not the one the actual yeah. UUID for the device. Right. It's specific sure. to that yep. app. Yep. Uh, and only specific to that installation of the app. So if they yeah. uninstall it and reinstall it, then it's a different yeah. UID yeah. again. And so I asked, I asked, had to ask around because I, I was kind of, I, I was kind of fighting with myself on whether or not my curiosity about who was actually installing and using the app, uh, so that I could, you know, kind of have an idea of who was using the app. So you could whether take it away was, from all the people that weren't using it. Well, not Bad necessarily testers. to take it away, but just so I could silently judge them. <laughs> uh, Man, hang on. Can I just go launch Gift Wrapped a couple of times? <laughs> um, because, you know, I, there is a guarantee. I can guarantee you that there are at least 
three or four of my beta testers who haven't really launched the app sure. because they don't necessarily like it's they were curious about it but they're yeah. not curious enough that they want to continue yeah. helping test it and testing takes a serious commitment of time right like right. if you weren't going to do it properly you got to be fully committed to it either because you want to help make an awesome product or because the thing that you're testing is genuinely useful or for a need you've got hmm. so the, the so the question that i had was whether or not i should turn this thing on so i could i could basically have it so that when you launched the app the next time it would force you to log in with hockey app uh, in order to continue using it would, the like, app, turn on the front-facing webcam so you could see <laughs> what they look like as <laughs> they were using it. The, turn on the audio the so you could hear their reaction. That, that's, that's why I had to ask because is this like is the fact that like I'm going to be uh, you know I want to know who is using the device and who's test like who's testing the app is like when I weigh that against you know how are people going to feel when they like when they decide that oh he he wants to spy on us like. How does that kind of weigh like weigh out? And I mean, I I eventually decided that no, this is probably not a good thing. And the fact that I had to ask in the first place probably meant it was not a good thing in the first place. And I'm sure that there are legitimate reasons as to why you would want to do this. Like for instance, um, one of the things that it does is allow you to not present new versions to people in a specific category. So if you you know if you have for instance UI designers and uh, developers on an app project then you could only push out new builds to developers and only push out new build, builds to designers or push out to both and you oh, could we decide used that for, we used to use it for media yeah all so right you, so you could tell who was reviewing it and no think. no it's, um, media would only get major developers right. and oh, internal right. people would get but, you know yeah. every release yeah. so there are legitimate uses for it but as for in, in my particular case it was just a little bit of like just interested prob- in who's installing like, it. I want to know who's installing it, and they're probably going to think I just want to spy on them, so I'm going to go with no. And so I decided not to do it. There you go. But that was that was my uh, thing. But there is a whole there is a, if if you are interested in actually looking into this, there is a whole thing you have to do. Like there is a specific list of things that you have to do. Uh, there is a there is a like a knowledge base article that I will link to in the show notes for people yeah, cool. who want to who want to know how to actually set this up if that is something that you're interested in. It's actually really interesting the amount of information you can gather from people that are testing your apps. So yeah. I think since we last spoke, I did some more face to face user testing, where I, where there were people in a test lab with a two way mirror, videotaping them. Um, actually, you ended up using an. AirPlay Reflector is the name of the app. I think yep. that's right. But Air Squirrels is that the company, uh, which turns your Mac into a destination for AirPlay. Mm-hmm. Then mirrored the screen of the iOS device nice. via AirPlay to the Mac. Yep. Reflector will also record the screen. Yep. Found an app that would let me use the iOS device's mic to send audio over the same AirPlay connection. I remember you talking to me about this. Actually. Um, so basically, I could sit a test user in a room with a facilitator who ran them through a bunch of test scenarios, yep. and I could be standing in the other room on the other side of the two-way mirror watching them and recording uh, what was happening on the screen right. and the audio of what they were saying to the facilitator. Yep. Um, and, of course, all these people have signed up that they're doing that they, they know sort of that testing. They're being part of watched. The yeah, that's kind of the point. Um, and it's really it's kind of interesting. Like, I think, you know, you get – 
a lot out of that, right? Like it's really interesting. You ask people to do something, you know, like this app, one of the things you could do with it was search for some information. So you ask them to search for some information and just watching people like, do they find search? What do they type in first? Do they type three characters and then start scrolling through the massive list of results as soon as it appears? Or do they type like five characters and let the result list filter down until it's, you know, only a few? And um, it's actually can be really valuable. So that's kind of like one end of the continuum. And then mm. at the other end is you just give people a build, give access, them access to a build over the air, right. and then you never get anything back other than what they choose to tell you. Right. And I reckon there's so many other points in between that is that could be really useful. Yeah, I would think that. Because, and I mean, one of the big problems that I've, I'm having with this is that a lot of my development, a lot of my development, in fact, all of my development is pretty much done silo. Um, you know, like I said before, like I sit at my desk, I've got my own little room. I have like, I, I'm, it's very private. I don't have anybody here typically. And, you know, I'm, I'm working away. And so the things that I implement and the things that I decide to change are based on how I particularly feel about the app. And well, I mean, I use it because that, and that's the whole point. That's the whole reason this app came to be was because I wanted this app in the first place. Uh, and you know, if you're going to create an app, that's the way that I suggest that you do it. Yeah, it's a nice way you to know, fill your own needs, uh, so to speak. But the downside to that is that I have very little knowledge of, of what other people want. Yeah, and it and, could be entirely different, like how yeah to how you're using. And it. so the only thing that I can do is I can I I can ask, mm. but I can't go around to every beta tester, every build, and ask them how right. they feel about and the, the app. Thing, the thing you don't get when you ask is um, you if you ask people, you only get the observations that they've noticed themselves, the stuff right. they're conscious of. You don't get the right. stuff that they're not conscious of right so there's another tool i've looked at um in the past i think i may have mentioned it called heat maps i think it's heat yeah. heat heat map dot no heat ma dot ps is the okay domain name yep uh, we'll, find a sh- we'll find it and put it in the show notes it's in uh, a library you can link your app against um, right. and then it will submit all the touches oh, nice. to a server uh, and then you can aggregate the map so you can get like a heat map overlaid of the screenshot of the whatever view in your app you're looking at. Sure. And you see which parts people touch the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up not using it. I think we'll discuss past because it had a few issues. Um, but that sort of thing I think is really handy. Like just sort of um, aggregated feedback about general patterns of use. Um, which areas are people selecting the most? You know, you can get that from analytics as well. Like do you guys log custom events in analytics. Yeah, I was going to mention that. I've done that with progressions. I haven't done them with GIFRAPT, so I don't have any idea. I haven't logged as an example, and for people that haven't used the app yet because it's not out in the store, won't understand this, but I haven't logged, like, for instance, when you use the Explore screen or when you you know decide to download something or mm. anything like that. Like, I have zero idea as, as to how people are using the app. So I believe Hockey lets you log events do they? Like Surely. other analytics Test packages do. Yeah. I'm for, yeah, I remember TestFlight doing it, and I think Flurry does it. Right. Flurry so Flurry and, and Google Analytics or whatever does it. Yes. But TestFlight and Hockey as being platforms designed to facilitate testing also right. do it, I think. Yes, okay. And I find it useful in both situations, both whilst apps are in development, getting a sense of what features are being used and what aren't, and also once apps are out there, trying to understand who's using it in what ways. Um. I think some people can find analytics a bit, a little bit creepy. Like again, it's about privacy, right? Are you right. snooping on? Are you being spied on? But there's so much insight you can get from understanding which features of your app are used the most and which ones people never discover. Have you ever used funnels on um, 
just Google like Analytics. Just or? in general, I think it's a marketing term. Yeah, so I think I know what you're talking about. Both Flurry and Google Analytics have a view of your custom events where you can see the path people yeah, took. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. So you okay. see like you know, 100% of users start at the first screen in your app and 70% go to a particular screen next and 30% go to another it's one. It's really cool because you can set up, say you're trying to, for instance, get them to an in-app purchase or something, you can see where your drop-off is happening and then you can submit an update that tries to improve that number and if you really want to, you can A-B test it, which we did once, which was quite fun. So half your users get one version and Facebook actually did this with live, their, their install version. I don't know what the percentage was, it's all hidden, but they used Half had a tab bar controller and say half had the old hamburger style. Right, yep. And they were obviously tracking something. Yeah. Um and yeah, they pushed that to the to the store, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, so A B testing is another great one of, of mm. a way of helping to make decisions, you know, that are gonna result in a better app. Um and I guess the kind of potentially sleazy thing is if you're trying to maximize conversion for some getting yeah, in-app purchases or thing. But, you know, there's certainly legitimate, like less sleazy ways of using this, which is you want to create a good app and you want to understand the experience your users are having and make sure that. Yeah. So we used it to try and get people to play more games. So mm-hmm. there's a play again button at the end and we were tracking like if people push that and trying to get that number up. It was, it was cool. Hey, speaking of sleazy, I feel like uh, we got to talk about rating apps because there was a whole thing. We, we, we've taken we've thing. taken like all summer off. It's summer, by the way, if, if you're not listening in the southern hemisphere, if if you're currently freezing in snowy blizzards in North what America at the moment, polar vortex. If you're Hello, in a polar, polar vortex, vortex. Uh, it was 36 degrees Celsius here today. It's it going to be really it's going to be 39 later in the week. In Adel- Adelaide next week, it's 40. Three. I don't know if you guys are feeling one twenty Fahrenheit. Really hot in this office right now. Yeah, yeah. it's warm. <laughs> yeah. I'm very hot. Anyway, so we've ta- that's why we've taken all summer off to just kick back and watch the cricket. Speaking of which, does anyone know the score? I don't know the. I don't watch cricket. Oh, I've been watching. Sorry, man. Man, I'm, you're, I'm alone. You're on your own. You're on your own. Tennis starts tomorrow. That's Woo-hoo. true. Tennis. Um. Anyway, during our long relaxing summer, um, there's there's been controversy on the internet. There about has been a lot of controversy, apps. and um. Started by Gruber, I believe. Don yeah. Look, I don't want to get into talk show. To that. I, I just, the one thing I wanted to pick up on was um, that there was a particular mention made by some people of um, the approach of of asking users, are you enjoying the app, hmm. yes or no? And if their answer was yes, asking them to review it. If their answer was no, giving them a way of providing feedback that's not through the app store. Um, and that was described by some people as being really sleazy. And um, I, f- I really felt like that was unfair. This is something that we've discussed previously, and I, yeah, I can I can kind of understand why people f- might take that the wrong way and say, "Oh, you're trying to make sure that the only people that ever review you are the people that are going to give you positive feedback." You're trying to, you know, you're taking even more steps to artificially manipulate your app store uh, rating. Um, but that's not really how I see it. I see it as the the addressing another real problem, which is users frequently use app store reviews as ways as a way of getting support for the app. Yeah, it's the worst. And yeah. there is no way of responding to that. to that. So people right. will post questions or people will say, Oh, I've I've come up against the problem. And it's not like that they that their experience has been such that they really, really want to leave a review. It's that they want to tell you about one specific 
issue they've run up against. And leaving a review seems to them the only way to do it. And they make it one star to make it more noticeable. Right. So it's, please pay attention to this. Uh, I love your app, but I ran into this particular I will update my review obscure. when you fix this issue. Yeah. And so I think to me, I think it makes sense to say um, if someone's encountered a problem that you might be able to address and that would be really useful to have a conversation with them about, to try and have that conversation outside of the app store where you get a chance to go back and forth and get more information. Um, so I think it's completely legitimate and not sleazy at all to sort of say, you know, are you, are you having a problem with this app? Is there something we can help you with? Please get in touch with us so we can let you know. Presenting that at the same time as saying, also, if you happen to be enjoying it, go and give us a rating. I can kind of see how yeah, it's... Yeah, I can see how it is sleazy. Yeah, I can see how that's sleazy. And I think, I think... I don't remember where I heard this. I have no idea, but I'm going to I'm going to repeat it anyway and I'm I'm sorry to whoever whoever came up with this idea because I'm not crediting you for it. Um the idea of actually like just just asking how do you how are you finding the app and having and trying to, you know, start that dialogue um is still good. Maybe not necessarily like being like very forceful and using a UI alert, which is what started this thing in the first right. place. I think was and using the UI alert to remove people from their experience of the app yeah. to, and basically just kind of just interrupting them and and just stopping them yeah. from doing anything and saying, yeah. "Hey." And I think we all agree that that sort of modal like interruption yeah. is shit. Yeah, no like good. it's nice to have um, a way of subtly, you know. Um, drawing someone's attention to some information. Like, I actually really like the way the Quick Math did it. Yeah, um, saw that. Yeah, which is like a, a little banner appears at the top. Yeah, it animates a, down. Uh, are you feeling happy or sad, smiley face, frowny face? It's um, only about 50 points yeah. high. And it's got a little way of dismissing it, and if you dismiss it, it always goes away and never comes back. That's right. I think that's I think that's great. And And being able to provide, like, if you are dissatisfied, then the immediate response being, here's how you can get in touch with us and and – we can help you resolve whatever issue you're having. Um, I think that's great. Like, I think more apps should have that rather than, and a lot of apps, you know, do things like they put a support email address in the settings or the about. And that's fine, but then you got to like, you know, what if does the user have an email account configured on that device? Not all the time. Sometimes people are using it without that. It, you know, uses, yeah. You know, I think it's kind of nice to just have a little in-app sheet that they can put a few comments in and right. hit a button on it. Um, I think, I think uh, Ember, was it Ember that did this uh, recently in a version that they had? So they don't provide, like, they don't pop up an an alert. What they do is they have, they have, like, kind of a, maybe like a, a sequence like a like a funnel that you go through uh when you're in like when you want to go into like uh f- like getting in contact and so it starts out with just one button and then it asks you like like that will bring up a view that asks you how you feel and then the, that will bring up a view with all your options and so in their particular case it only it you know if you like the app you'll have all the options and if you don't like if you're having a oh, lot of I trouble that. you you only get like the option to talk to them and I think a lot of people like that idea because it doesn't like pop up and go, "Hey, you need to rate us if you like us." That's that's what you got to do. Stop pointing at me, <laughs> feeling really put on the spot. Hey, well, that, and that's exactly how it makes it makes people yeah. feel, right? Because yeah. Look, it puts I, people on the spot. I, I understand. I, I think one of the other issues that wasn't really discussed was the fact that um, a lot of the apps that are soliciting feedback like this are free apps, right? And I think. I think there's kind of like people have previously talked about there's kind of two app stores. There's like the one that we as developers of apps wish 
was the only one that existed where the people that are using the apps um, really appreciate good design and good development <laughs> and think about good features and uh, pay for things yeah. and uh, developers, um, you know, are, are developing things for the best reasons. And then there's the the app store that is actually the one that most people use that we pretend doesn't exist, <laughs> which is the one where no one pays for anything and users don't necessarily have as much taste as we might like. Sometimes no taste. Right. And in that app store, people en masse are getting a whole heap of really sophisticated functionality without paying anything. Right. Um, and so the kind of trade-off there is you don't pay anything for these apps and as a result, they nag you all the time and demand some of your attention. So instead of paying cash for a quality app that's just going to leave you alone, mm-hmm. you pay with a little bit of your time every now and then dismissing a dialogue that's asking, pleading with you to go and give them a rating so that other users will download it so that they can serve up more ad impressions and monetize you in some other way. And ask more people for ratings. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like, I think part of the proliferation of these sorts of dialogues stems from the fact that it's that it's so hard to get people to pay for apps that, you know, people are resorting to kind of less than ideal practices. Right. So one of the things, and I and this is another thing that I've got a question about um, in regards to gift wrapped, right? Um, gift wrapped, I've decided to go a different way to the way that I that I do progressions. Progressions actually does pretty good in my in my opinion. Um, I've had I've had a few people try to you know get me to improve my thing, my stuff, my SEO and all that sort of business, and I always give them the finger. Um, because I don't, I don't need to. As far as like, as far as my app is concerned, considering that I do very little in regards to actually, you know, publicizing the fact that it exists, uh, you know, I I get a few bucks every day, every day, like, cool, regularly, like, and most people don't get that, so I'm very, very lucky in that in that instance. However, I've decided to go a different way with with gift wrapped. What I've decided to do is, uh, there'll be ads in it, and then we're using you know Apple's iAd business, and then. And then if you want to remove the ads, you can pay a dollar amount. I think I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking I'm going with like a dollar ninety nine off the top, straight. Like that's just how and it removes everything from the app. Um essentially it means that it's like a try before you buy thing. Right. And yep. you can continue using it if you feel the need. There's no time limit or anything like mm. that, because I mean that's not allowed anyway, but um, and I mean, my question is, is then how far do I go? Like, do I put ads on every list view that I have or do I just leave, just to have the one? And it's kind of like, it's kind of one of those things where there's not like a specific line. It's just kind of like a general, you kind of move into a gray area and then suddenly like, and then suddenly somewhere at some point you, it becomes like a, you know, a red zone where you don't want to don't want to end up. Yeah, it's interesting. And it's just, it's so much a matter of um, a suge- subjective opinion. Right. Like there'll be people for whom just that idea of having an ad in it and asking people to pay to remove the ad is too far and they, they'll, they'd be offended by that. Right. Um, but then there are other people who would be like, no, just do whatever you like, you know, bombard and people be with. Offen- there'll be people that are offended by the fact that it has an ad in it at all. You should have an in-app purchase. A what? What's the word for the one that you can just like a tip jar? No, no, no. The ones that are expire. A consumable in-app oh, a purchase. Consumable. Where you yeah, get ten gifts 
Oh, see, I hate per ninety nine cent purchase, and you've got to like this is this but you is can why get, I built my you can get right? ten more gifts by recruiting friends, <laughs> like doing referrals <laughs> or by in app purchase. Right. See, I did this, like the, part of the reason that I did this, like built this app, was because like so many gift apps out there that let you like catalog a library of gifts. The way that you, the only way you can get gifts is by purchasing like in app purchases. Um, there are a couple that allow you to not like allow you a little bit more freedom than that, but the fact of the matter is is that most of the ones that are out there that are any good at all, um, they require you to you know kind of follow their rules a little bit. And I don't like that. Mm. I don't follow nobody's rules. I live my own way. <laughs> go the, you could go the donation model. Well, yeah. I mean, I had a little story. That's what I have in my free app. Seems to work. Yeah, develop this out of my own free time. If you. If you like throw it, throw some dollars. It'll remove the ads for you. So that's what I'm doing. Like it's essentially, it I'm I'm doing a just a much. removal of ads, and I do have plans to have other more content related and I suppose payments the, in the future. The other part of that approach is it addresses the two markets I mentioned earlier. Mm. The the people who don't ca- don't even see ads, right? There right. there are so many. There are millions upon millions of people out there who install free apps only ever install free apps and just don't see ads. Just like don't you know. Don't have any problem using an app that's basically ninety nine percent ads and one percent little <laughs> button in the middle of all the ads. Like, have you have you seen Words with Friends lately? There are no. a lot of ads in that. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Hey, speaking of JavaScript, I hear you've been doing some, <laughs> some <laughs> great <Nice>. segue. You're <laughs> a real awesome. pro at this radio thing. I hear you've been doing some Angular, Ben. I have actually. How is that? What is? Tell us what is Angular. Angular is a JavaScript framework. We're already pushing my limits of knowledge right now. <laughs> um, it's made of JavaScript. It's made out of the JavaScripts. <laughs> anyway, it's a, it's like, um, I don't even know the proper word for these frameworks, but they're frameworks that allow you to, you know, update data without reloading the page. And it does like it. Ajaxy. Yeah, that's the one, Ajax. And it does it um, on the client side rather than server side, like a lot of them. So it pushes a lot of cycles to the client, which cool. makes it much easier to set up. Um, it's from Google, isn't it? It is. It's made by Google, and it's pretty good. There are some very weird things in it, though, which is what it's sort of known for. So it's great in the easy case, mm-hmm. but as soon as you dig a bit deeper, it gets just strange and really hard to understand. So it's like storyboards. Really? <laughs> I don't know if I go that far with storyboards. Storyboards are. No, but it's like storyboards is really great once you like when like for the really easy stuff, and then once no, you kind no, of see, get into the I really disagree. Sp- like the really it's difficult. It's still great. Sp- no, yeah, I disagree. No, but at least storyboards doesn't just throw up abstract errors that like things just stop working in Angular. Okay, right. So the thing that freaked me out about looking at Angular was um, how many ways there were of achieving a particular thing, uh, and I found it pretty hard to get my head around. You know, seeing. You know, you want to do a particular thing, you look at a tutorial and then you sort of say, oh, that's interesting. How else is it done? Or it's yep. not quite what I had in mind. And so you look at another tutorial um, and instead of being only different in the ways you expect the second tutorial to be different in, the second tutorial just com- takes a completely different approach to the whole app and doesn't do anything in the same way that the first one did. Yeah, definitely. And it just looks like, it seems like for everything, even like just setting up config information, there's like three different syntaxes you can use and three different places you could put it. And Yeah, I think that's like any, most languages do that though. Yeah. There's always heaps of ways to do things. 
Um, what were the good resources you found in terms of? Yes, I was just going to say that egg egghead.io, I believe the website is, is a whole pile of video tutorials, and they're very nicely ordered to an increasing difficulty. Mm-hmm. Excellent. But they're also very um, well scoped. So if yep. you just want to know about one particular thing, you can watch this. It's normally only three minutes video. You don't have to sit right. there through a half hour long course. Because um, the problem with Angular is it's very new. So Googling your problems actually generally doesn't help because a lot of the time you're the first, maybe not the first one, but the first one to think of Googling and like Using no one's particular put terms it down. You've used and, yeah, yeah. So that was quite a challenge as well. Um, especially some of the, you, you'll get weird errors. You can get, there's some problem with Angular where it can end up in an infinite loop, but it has an infinite loop protection. So if it ends up 10 times in its update loop, it just kills. All right. Um, and it'll just tell you it's done that, but it doesn't really tell you why. Okay. So you then have to. Awesome. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I misunderstood that, but it's JavaScript. So yeah. who knows? Um, um, so would you use it again? Yes, definitely. Oh, cool. Um, mainly because it's the only sort of, web framework i know but it was quite yeah i really liked it in the end and i got better as i went on there's some really cool things like you can do um like it's not kvo but you can do a kvo style thing where you can subscribe to changes of variables right and yeah. I, the way i understand there you can have a mapping between um part of the dom and a variable in your javascript that's two-way right so if it's a f- yeah that's a right text in a form field and a user changes the text then the variable in your javascript gets that new text without you doing anything. Likewise, if you set a new value in your JavaScript for that variable, then it'll push that to the DOM without you having to do anything. That's right. Nice. Um, you can also, in between that, you can stick in you know, transforms or filters or whatever you want to call them. So yeah. you could reverse a string or you can write custom ones. There's a whole pile of built-in ones. So you can yeah. sort of do that in your HTML. So you don't even have to write in a script. You could say this just writing comes from this text field, but it's reversed. Mm-hmm. And you could actually do that in HTML without any... Oh, nice. JavaScript, you have to have the Angular thing at the top, but you know what I mean. Um, so that bit's all good. Hmm. Yeah, the, it gets catches a lot of slack for doing a lot of stuff on the client side, so it can be quite performance-heavy sometimes. Right. Yep. But apart from that, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, cool. Um, definitely give it a go if you're looking for some sort of Ajax new thing. Apparently, jQuery is not cool anymore. Everyone's no. moving to Angular. The problem is the problem with jQuery, I think, is that everybody uses jQuery. It's like how everybody uses PHP. Like PHP yeah. is everywhere. You can use PHP to do anything because like all it takes is like if you've got five minutes, you can spool up a server somewhere yeah. and just start running stuff. Right? But that's not cool anymore because PHP is a terrible language, uh, apparently. I I use PHP for my web stuff and I'm perfectly happy with it. Thank you very much. Angular does use jQuery though, so you sort of get it as part of the package. Right. So it's based on jQuery then, kind of. Oh, too much knowledge for me. Okay. So the way I understand it is jQuery has almost become the kind of lowest level for – like one of the things jQuery does is it um, papers over the differences between JavaScript implementations in the browser. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, yeah, even just basic DOM functions, different browsers will have different function names for the same yeah. thing. And something like jQuery just has – you know, a single function that'll work the same. Across and it will figure browser. out what function right. it needs to call underneath and yeah. make that happen. Yep. I still, I do bits of web technology all the time. And, um, you know, I think we talk about mobile. I think a big part of mobile is mobile web. You know, yeah. I think that really people's experience when they use it, visit a, a site or an app in their web browser should be awesome. Um, 
even if they don't go to the extent of downloading a native app. So I think it makes sense to learn more about this. I keep wanting to learn more about Angular. Have yeah, not enough time. Instead, I've been learning about reactive cocoa, but I don't think yeah? we, we got time to go into that. Ah, oh, next probably, time. I'll probably not on this episode. Maybe next time. And that good. That gives me more time to actually understand it more. Because man, it's freaking me out. I've only done real simple stuff. Uh, so I bought a book that we could give everyone homework if you want. If you like me, want to learn more about reactive cocoa. Uh, Ash Farrow, I think, I think is right. his name has written a, a really great book about it. Um, I'm sold. Put a link in the show note. Uh, it, I think it's a, a book where you pay what you think it's worth. Uh, oh, I think it defaults okay. to f- yep. $15 for the ebook, which I yep. thought was a reasonable amount, so I got a copy. Um, and it's great sort of both a description, you know, in the abstract about the concepts of functional programming and reactive programming and then a step-by-step tutorial of how to build up an app that uses those principles. Um, and I'm finding it a really good way to sort of get into it. But I'm struggling going from, you know, the the place that he's taken me in his book to where I want to go within my own apps, like to bridge that gap, to start thinking in terms of reactive yeah. cocoa. So I can kind of follow the steps and understand why it's working the way that it is, and that seems really cool. And then I try and apply those ideas to a different problem, and I just am struggling to get my head into thinking in that way. And I still mm. think, yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about it more next time. We'll put the link to the book in the show notes. And speaking of awesome books, I'm so jealous you got a copy of that. I got a copy of NS Hipster, Obscure Topics in Kirko and Objective C. Which is sold out. Matted to Yep. It is excellent. Like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's on the website. Did you get a signed copy? Because you can get signed copies. I don't think they were doing signed copies. No, no, he was. Oh, right. Yeah. The signed copies sold out, like, on, you know, within a couple of hours. I'll sign it. But it's good. (laughs) Would you? Yeah, yeah, man. Sweet. I'm pretty famous. I've always wanted a. Book by Matt Tutter, signed by Ben Tutter. It will definitely be a limited edition. <laughs> it will it definitely. Yeah. yeah, nobody else will have their book signed by you. Uh, no, it's really good. I think if if you can get a hold of this at I, some stage. I asked for it for Christmas. Like really? I, I begged. I it was on my. It was the only well. thing I put on my Christmas list, and oh, really? I was just ignored. Ignored. Completely ignored. Ignored. I got a novel instead, which is nice. I'm happy. I'm enjoying the novel. But what I'm was just the novel. It's look. It's um, no NS hipster. Oh, oh. I got two novels. The latest in the number one ladies detective agency series okay. by Alexander McCall Smith, uh, and Eerie by Tim Winton. Neither of which I've read yet because I'm still reading the book I bought in a secondhand bookshop over the summer. I recommend Wool by Hugh Howie. I believe pretty good. Given Accidental that this is, book podcast. <laughs> given this is a little off topic, uh, let's. Why don't we wrap things up? So, guys, if you would like to read about any of the stuff that we've talked about today, uh, you know, I don't even remember what it was, but I'll remember when we do. I do the editing, and so I'll put it in the show notes. And you can find the show notes on our website, mobilecouch.co forward slash twenty three, because that's the best number. It is the best number. And you both cannot argue with me about this. It is this fortnight anyway. But if you actually want to read something else, another good book, Rosie Project oh, yeah. by Graham Simpson. That was funny. <laughs> We're yeah. doing the outro, man. <laughs> sorry, Jeez. sorry. If you would like to get in contact with us, you can do so by jumping onto our website as well, mobilecouch.co forward slash contact. You fill out a form, send us an email. Uh, if you've got anything, any tips, like if you'd like to give us any any tips about uh, what I've you got think. A tip. 
What was your tip? The Richard Branson autobiography <laughs> is top notch. If also, you've got a tip about, <laughs> if you've got a tip about what what you like think about the rating stuff or mm. that that sort of thing, like if you've got anything about that, or if you would like to have a chat about reactive cocoa prior to our reactive cocoa chat i guess you can uh you can send us an email and do that you can also find us on twitter uh and app.net we uh we are all three of us are on on those i've forgotten my app yeah i'm not on app.net i haven't logged in in about six months okay so we're we're there but we probably won't read it jake is j mcmullen j m a c m u l l -L i n ben is ben trengrove b-e-n T-R-E-N-G-R-O-V-E. Uh, those are both the same on app.net and Twitter, even if you even if they don't end up getting read. And I on Twitter am Jelly Bean Soup, and on app.net I'm Jelly. And I I do actually read the stuff that goes on app.net as opposed to these two chumps. I, I might reset my password again. <laughs> okay. You know uh, what? Someone asked me the other day, do you have Google Plus? We is have that, Google Plus. Is that the first person in the world to ever ask that question? We have Google Plus as well. We are Mobile Couch has a Google Plus page. So if you would like to follow the podcast and uh, get all the updates, you, you can, can go add to it to your Couch. circle. Yeah, you can yeah, add it right. to your circle, <laughs> and we'll we will circle you with circle things. Yep. Good. I, I think I created a Google Plus page like once, like the first week it happened, because I just wanted to see what it was about. And I, cool. I don't know if I've managed to delete it. I think I tried, but <laughs> no, I don't can't. know that you can. can if you so. have a Google account, you've got one. I think I'm in some circles. Yeah, if you start it, you you can't stop it. You, you can all you can continually not start it though. Like you you don't have to actually create one in the first place. But most people that I know will have created one because they'll be curious about it. Yeah. I almost created a Snapchat account for that very reason, but I I've stopped tried, myself. I've, I've tried Snapchat. It's it's weird. And I, I weird don't and crazy. understand it. We go. We could talk about this another day as anyway, well. Anyway, you guys on Tinder? Add me on Tinder. What is Tinder? <laughs> not really. I'm <laughs> okay, not on so, Tinder. <laughs> uh, I'm not on Tinder. All right. That's it. Thanks, guys, for listening. Best outro ever. Thank you, guys, for listening. We are uh, Happy New Year and all that sort of stuff. We are very excited to be back, and we look forward to having more chats with you this year. Uh, guys, tune in next week. Not next week, next fortnight, and we will be back uh, with lots of cool things to talk about. Mm. Bye. 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 Also, Plenty yeah? by Yotam Otolenghi, best cookbook I've ever had. Okay, oh, I've got that one. Stop talking oh, about books. Let's <laughs> actually end the podcast. Okay, good. Bye. Bye. Bye.